we started a series um, five weeks ago. And we began to talk about how that the enemy wants to control your mind. And we looked at how that uh, growing up that we had people, or maybe even now, they want to play what, what they call mind games. They want you to make you believe something that's not true. They want you to, to believe something that is, is different than what God has for you. And so the first week, we begin to look at renewing your mind. And the second week, we talked about having a, a fit mind, how that you cannot let your disappointment lead to depression and discouragement. The third week, we talk about having a mature mind and how that we have to guard our emotions and how it's so easy to, to allow our emotions to control us through the controlling of our mind. And last week, Brandon spoke about having a guarded mind. This morning, we want to close this series on having a settled mind. Now, if you've ever been out to eat with me, it's, became a, it's always a running joke because how many people, there's just too many options on the menu, right? I mean, there is just some, if you go, uh, the best example I can think of is, is Cheddar's. That menu is just, it is, there's so much. And I'm notorious for I'll order something and then everyone else will order. And then by the time that everyone else is order, done ordering, I've changed my mind. And people have just come to realize they just wait for it. And the waitress, when the last person's order, I said, uh, come here a minute. And I begin to, to change my mind. It would be so much easier if it was just simplified. If you just had two or three things to choose from. And for many of us, it is hard for us to make up our mind. How many people, you have a hard time making decisions? All the men said Amen. I have a hard time making decisions in some arenas. But the kingdom of God is simple. Too many options brings confusion. But God is here to simplify it. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Here in this passage of Scripture, in this verse, we see that God gives us two choices. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. Life brings blessing. Death brings cursing. And what's even better in this situation is He tells us which one to choose. How many people would, when you were going through school, you loved it when teachers would help you with the answers? Or maybe you, something I never understood was, uh, some, in, in high school and even in college, sometimes they would give us the book and the answer key would be in the back. That's just too much temptation. There's the answer. Flip back and find it. Made life a whole lot easier. Or an open book test. Reese would tell me, we're having a test, but it's open book. That's not a test. But here, God is saying, you can choose between life and death. And I say, choose life. 
Make up your mind and settle it. Choose life. Choose me over every other option. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to get to the Father, and that's through Him. He's not here to confuse you. He's saying, choose life. Choose wisely. Sounds easy, doesn't it? How many people know it's not easy? The enemy is battling you every day, trying to get you, trying to control your mind, trying to get you to choose something other than life. And why is it that some people struggle with it? Why is it that that the enemy is able to, to infiltrate our minds and to make us struggle with choosing life? Why is it that it's so hard to choose life, to choose his way, to choose his path, to choose his truth? Why is it so hard to settle things in our minds? We wrestle with it. We have such a hard time. Things will be going great and we'll walk in along and then something will happen and, 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 and we're tempted to choose something other than life. Don't be discouraged. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read about an account of a man who struggled to settle something in his mind. Romans 8 and 6 says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There was a man in the Bible. His name was Esau. He had a twin brother named Jacob. His mom was Rebecca. His dad was Isaac. There was no room in her womb. There was a constant struggle. And she said, what's going on here? And, 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 and there were two babies. There were twins. Britta can probably tell you how that feels. But there was two people in her womb. And there was two kinds of different thoughts. Esau was carnally minded. Jacob was spiritually minded. Esau came out first, and what that meant was, was that he had the birthright. The birthright was giving him blessing. It was giving him favor. It was giving him responsibility. And one day he was out hunting, and he became very hungry. So he was starving. So he came in, and he asked Jacob for some soup. And Jacob said, the only way I will give you this soup is if you give me your birthright. And Esau began to look and he said, what good is this birthright to me? What good is God's position for me? You see, he didn't have it settled in his mind how important that it was to have this birthright. So he traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. He never made up his mind that God's way was the right way. That God had put him in a position, the position that he wanted him in. And after he wrestled with it, he turned it over. He gave it to his brother. And Hebrews chapter 12 gives us a glimpse of this story. Starting with verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fall 
of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many will be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know that how at that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You see, this is what happens when you don't have your mind settled. You pass up the right choice. And then the Bible tells us that when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. So I want to look at a few things this morning that we need to do to be able to settle it in our mind. The first thing that we need to do is change your direction. To change your direction is to change your mind. The direction that you take leads you to the destiny that you have. The direction that you take leads you to the destiny that you have. If you're on the wrong path and you haven't settled it, that it's God's way and that God's way is the only way, then you're headed down the wrong path. And that direction that you're going is going to lead you something other than the destiny that God has for you. God's given you the ability to secure your future with the choices that you make. Our choices determine our future. Growing up, my parents would always tell me, you are some of your choices. The choices that you make, and sometimes we make wrong choices and we pay for them. Sometimes... There's always consequences to the choices that we make. But God has given us the ability to secure our future with the choices that we make. God has given us a mind that can determine our future. Our minds can set the course for our life. You see, Esau never changed his mind. He didn't choose the place of repentance. You say, what is repentance? Repentance is to change direction by changing your mind. Change direction by changing your mind. To repent means to basically do the opposite. To change your mind. To allow it to become settled in your mind that it's God's way. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 says this. From the time that Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see it's very significant that we reach our destiny by choosing God's path. And not the world's. If we listen to the world, I can promise you we'll be headed down the wrong path. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but this world's crazy. Watch the news for about three seconds. This world is crazy. And the problem is, it is so easy for us to get caught up in all the nonsense... And not to choose the right path. But you can't change your mind just with emotion. You have to do it with the decision. You ever 
Being a pastor, sometimes you'll sit in front of people and they'll be telling you and they'll be weeping over a situation and they'll just weep and, and they'll cry over something that's, that's happened in their life or, or, or something that, that they've done, the mistakes they've made, and, and they weep and they cry and then they leave your office and they go out and do the exact same thing that they just were sitting in your office crying about. It's easy to weep over a decision but never make a decision to change. How many times have we wept over decisions that we've made, but we've not repented? We've not went the opposite direction. We haven't changed our mind. God wants you to change your direction this morning. Don't just weep over it, but make the decisions that will get you back on the right course. Jesus here said, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. He didn't say weep. He didn't say cry. He didn't say just have a bunch of emotions. Which that's okay. We are emotional people. It's okay to cry over something. But if all we ever have are just emotions and we never settle it, if we never change our minds to change our direction, it's not going to work. Secondly, settle it. Be holy. Be holy. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby, thereby many be defiled. What did he say there? He said, go back. He said, Follow peace with all men and holiness. You see, it must be sacred to you. The things in your life, they should be sacred. They should be important. My relationship, my covenant with my wife should be sacred. The commitment I've made to my church and to Christ should be sacred. It should be important. My body should be sacred. It's the temple of God. My walk with God should be sacred. The way I spend my money should be sacred. You see, who I am and what I have and how I'm called to live is all part of being holy in the eyes of God. Who I am, what I have, and how He's called me to live is part of being holy. In Genesis chapter 25 Verse 32, it says, And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? What he didn't understand was what that birthright... He asked the question he should have known the answer to. The birthright was who he was. It was what he had and what he was entitled to. It was how that God had called him to live. Growing up in a Pentecostal church, I was always taught that holiness was about not having any makeup, not dipping snuff, having long hair, not wearing jeans if you're a woman. It's okay if you're a man. But we were taught that's what holiness was. 
But holiness, the first part of being holy is knowing who you are. Knowing that you have been set apart by God. Knowing that you have a position and a right and a place with God. That God has planned your destiny. It begins with who you are. And then it will flow into what you have and and to how you live. Too many times we want to, to start at the end. And we base holiness on completely how that we live. But the first step is just know who you are in Christ. Know what being a child of God means. Something Esau didn't comprehend. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. God said, Be holy. Be set apart. God chose you to set to chose to set you apart for a reason and for a purpose. You're called to be chosen and chosen to be set apart from the world for him. Esau never made sacred things sacred. Esau never understood, he never realized the importance the sacredness of his birthright. Thirdly, settle it to be patient. How many people say that you're very patient? We have any really patient people? I had one person raise their hand. And he was telling the truth. One of the most patient people I've ever met in my life. I want to think that I'm a patient person. And I believe my wife would attest that I am. But my patience have been tested over the last nine months. Not with people, just with the process. I'm like, man, we've, we've, got, to get, we've got to get moving. Sometimes it's hard to be patient, isn't it? You see, a carnal mind wants it now. Spiritually minded will wait. We live in a world, and you've heard to say before, in, in, in a very I want it now society. The 30 seconds we wait in line at Taco Bell is too long. If you have food that you can cook in the microwave or in the oven, it tastes so much better in the oven. But it takes so much longer. You put it in the microwave and it comes out mushy. And I had somebody tell me last night, I like my pizza rolls in the microwave. I said, you're weird. <laughs> Nasty. But sometimes we do it just because we want it now. We're hungry now. Give it to me now. I don't want to wait a lot of times it's like that in life. We want it now. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 16 says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Fornicator, somebody that can't wait. 
And you go through life being impatient. And it's so easy that sometimes you get to a point of no return. You ever seen somebody that ran up so much credit card debt that they were just at a point of no return? It's easy to do. I want it now. Esau kept making bad choices. He never never settled it. He didn't make a good choice. And my challenge to you this morning is wait for what God has for you. Being a youth pastor for six, seven years and then watching people. Let me talk to my single singles here this morning. Wait for what God has for you. The carnally minded says, my biological clock is ticking. I need a spouse. I need it now. And I've seen it so many times in my life that people make the wrong decision because they're being carnally minded. And even though everybody in the world is telling them, don't do it. Don't do it. They're not the one. They're not the person God has for you. They do it anyway. They head down the wrong path. Why? Not because, simply because they didn't have patience. God, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Don't make lasting decisions in temporary situations. Don't make lasting decisions in temporary situations. We're always looking for the quick fix. It's amazing. Purchase a new car these days. You know, cars are outrageous. You have a flat tire. You don't get a spare anymore. That's extra. No place to put it. Not too long ago, here we have a minivan. Yes, I'm a soccer dad. Not afraid to admit it. My wife calls me and she says, tire pressure's dropping. I just happened to be in front of her. We had two cars. We had been somewhere. So she pulls over. I say, pull over. We get out and start looking for the spare. Surely this thing's got a spare. No. What did I find? An air pump with built-in fix-it, fix-a-flat. I took that thing. It would have been a whole lot easier to change the tire. It would have been a whole lot easier to call somebody to change the tire. Triple <laughs> A. Actually, it would probably have been... No, he can't leave the building. Um, he's got too much work to do. I had to, I had to call TJ. 
So I start reading these directions, and so we put it on there, and I'm so good with tools and stuff that it filled it up, and you know how long that lasted? From the county to about the top of 13th Street. And begin to watch the tire pressure just begin to drop. I had got it up to like 32 or 33. By the time I got it to the tire shop, it was back down to like 20. And what is that? Four miles? But it was so much easier for the auto industry just to, here, here's a pump and some fix-a-flat. It's cheaper. It's an easier decision. It's not a lasting didn't last. You know what I had to do? I had to get that tire fixed. But we've all had things in our life that we have decided that we needed a quick fix. Here Esau exchanged his birthright for a bowl of soup. I've had some good soup in my life, but never something that I would have exchanged my position, my inheritance. But in this moment, in this temporary moment, Esau made a lasting decision that changed his life forever. And then he gets mad at Jacob. You tricked me. I look at it, no, you were just stupid. But we've all made big mistakes. We've all had that moment of Stupidity. But we have to learn to be patient. The carnal mind says, I want it now. The spiritual mind says, I'll wait. You must wait on the Lord. You must be patient. A carnal-minded person will make lasting decisions in moments of pressure. I told someone last night, Normally, I I do not eat a lot of sugar. But over the last two weeks, in moments of pressure, if there's a donut, you can forget it. It's gone. Sugar, I just crave it. Sweets. Seems like every time I turn around, it's been put in front of my face and then it's going in my mouth. Making stupid decisions. But being carnally minded will do that to you. It will cause you in moments of pressure to make wrong decisions and not to wait on what God has for you. Lastly, settle it. Be teachable. Be teachable. Verse 17 says, For you know that how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. At this point, he began to realize what would have, could have, should have happened. And we get to that point in our lives where we begin to realize, man, this is what could have happened. This is what would have happened. Have you ever replayed things over and over in your mind? Thinking, man, if I would have just made a different decision. 
All you can do now at this point is learn from it. Learn from the mistakes that you have made. We have all made mistakes. Everyone here. The Bible says that we all fall short of what God has for us. We all mess up. But I've learned over time that that God is not a respecter of persons, but He's a respecter of priorities. You see, Esau didn't have had the capability, but he didn't have the teachability. There's people in life that you see that they are very capable. Pastors who are gifted, they're anointed, they're called. But they never learn from their mistakes. They're not teachable. And you may go through life and say, why do things keep happening to me? Why do I keep going from job to job or relationship to relationship? Why do I have all of these things? You know, if... If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. That kind of mentality. We have to start looking to others and to God. We have to understand and realize that we have to break some patterns. A carnally minded person won't listen. I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to to do what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. God's saying, settle it in your mind. Be teachable. Many of us have heard the story of the prodigal son. Here's the prodigal son, and, and, and he has his inheritance, and, and he's not being patient. He's tired of waiting on it. He says, Dad, I'm out of here. Give me my stuff. Let me go. He took the wrong path, and he ended up living with the pigs in the mud. But the Bible says that one day he came to his senses. Man, how I wish that we would come to our senses. It says he came to his senses. He said to himself, I don't belong here. This is not the path that God has chosen for me. This isn't me. This is not where I'm supposed to end up. And he was weeping. He was sad over it. But he realized that his circumstances were not going to change simply through his emotions. He said, I've got to do something about it. I've got to change directions. I have to change my path. He said, why am I here eating this food? Why am I eating this slop? Why am I where I am? He understood that he had made some stupid choices. He said, here I am, the son of an amazing man. A man that that would do anything for me. (coughs) He said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. And so he goes back and he comes to his father. And at this point, he says, make me into a servant. What was he saying? He said, Dad, I'm teachable. I've never really had to serve in my life. I've not had to do that. But teach me how to be a servant. I will do it. His dad said, I want you to wear this ring. I want you to wear these shoes. I want you to wear this robe. 
He said, you're back. Just stay here. Stay here. But when he came back, he was willing to be a servant. He was willing to be teachable. You may be here this morning. You may be wrestling with God. You may be in a very bad place right now. You may have made some wrong choices. You may have had some things that that you've never really settled in your mind. You may have never really understood the right that you have as a child of Christ. You say, Pastor, I've been on the fence. I've been on the path, and I'll do good for a while. Then I get off the path. I make bad decisions. Then I get on the path. Then I get off the path. Then I go over the cliff. The prodigal son made some horrific, stupid choices. His father didn't hold that against him. His dad knew the stupid decisions that he had made. He didn't stop loving him. He didn't stop caring for him. He said, Welcome home. Here's a ring. Here's shoes. Here's a robe. Let's have a feast. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I've made some bad decisions. Pastor, I'm like Paul. The things that I know I should do, I don't do. And the things that I know that I shouldn't, I do. But today, I want to change direction. I want to settle it in my mind. I want to understand what I have in Christ. Today, I want to to choose Him once and for all. Today, I want to to come back home. I want to, to get back on the right path. If that's you, I won't embarrass you. But if you could signify that just by lifting your hand, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've made some bad choices. Done things that I'm not proud of. Anyone else? Holy Spirit, move in this place. I'm going to come back home.
We sing about the love of God. How that He loves us. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand, I want you to know that what has happened has happened. It's over. The choices that the prodigal son made He couldn't go back and fix them. All he could do was learn from his mistakes. To come back to his dad and say, Dad, I don't deserve your love. But the father welcomed him with open arms. He said, stay here. Stay on the path. Go back to your rightful place. you raised your hand, I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer with us. Tell God repent change direction let him know that you want to follow after him. Pray this prayer, Heavenly Father, I come before you. God, I know in my life I've made wrong decisions. God, I've messed up so many times, too many times to count. God, I do things that I know I shouldn't. and Father, I don't do things that I know that I should. God, I've allowed the the world to control my mind and Father I've made wrong decisions God today I repent God I'm sorry God though that I move with emotion Father it's so much more than that God, I want to change direction. Father, I want to put you first. Forgive me. God, I come back home today. God, strengthen me. Help me. Holy Spirit, lead and guide me. Help me make right decisions. Help my mind become settled to know the importance, the sacredness of what I have. Father, I love you. for his goodness 
through his mercy. Just meditate on him just for a moment. People get nervous when it's quiet. But man, when you're quiet, you can hear God speak. that you've changed today. God, as we go forward, God, for those who made that commitment this morning, God, I pray for special strength. walk with them. 